Hi, welcome to Challenge Online. I'm so excited that we get to gather together in this way. And I don't know about you, but I'm starting to get a little stir crazy. This routine that I'm on is feeling a little bit like a lot like Groundhog Day. If you've seen that movie, just the same thing over and over again. And I came across this great meme. There's, a, there's only so many memes that you can enjoy until you start going crazy, but I love this meme. So let's check it out. And when I saw that meme, it actually caused me to realize how long this quarantine is going to be. How we are, it's actually going to be pretty difficult for a lot of people. And it's caused me to really realize that I want to encourage us as followers of Christ not to let this time be a time where we backslide spiritually but a time where we press forward and press in to God and to growing closer to Him. And so I just want to encourage you, don't make this just a thing that you want to survive spiritually. I want to challenge us, let's thrive. Let's grow as close as possible to God during this time. I think about monks that go move into a monastery and they separate their whole life from the outside world just so they can get with God. We get an automatic free monkery. That is not a word. But we get a chance to just be with God, alone with God. This is a chance to grow deep in your relationship with God. There's this great classic hymn that I love so much, and I'm going to read a part of it to you. It says, I'm not going to sing it, so don't worry. It says, My heart has no desire to stay, where doubts arise and fears dismay. Though some may dwell where these abound, my prayer, my aim, is higher ground. I want to challenge us to go for the higher ground, for the deeper life of knowing God. So let me pray, and what I talk about today, I promise you, will make a difference in your life if you apply it to your life. God, thank you so much for this opportunity for us to come together, and I pray that we would know that we love each other, and that we would have this unity and fellowship. You can meet us right where we are, sitting on our couch, and I pray that this message would radically change our lives, that we would live it out. Lord, I commit myself to living according to your word, and I pray that you would guide this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title of my message is Discipline Makes the Difference. We all admire disciplined people. My son Owen, who's eight years old, we watched all the Rocky movies, even Rocky, no, we didn't watch Rocky V. If you know anything about the Rocky movies, that one we can skip. But we also watched Creed, all those, and those montages, man. They get my heart beating every time. I don't know about you if you've seen those movies. But I love watching Rocky Balboa working out, sweating, getting ready to fight Drago, while I'm just stuffing popcorn in my mouth, sipping on soda. I love the idea of being disciplined. And I think that's a lot of us. I think a lot of us like we have good intentions about being disciplined, but when it comes down to it, we can't quite get traction in our lives. And no one's life was ever changed from good intentions. It has to take action. It has to take us getting in to these habits that we developed. There's a guy named Samuel Smiles, and he is a great name. And uh, so, but he had this great quote. Let's hear what he says. He says, sow a thought and reap an act. Sow an act and reap a habit. Sow a habit and reap a character. Sow a character and reap a destiny. It's as simple as that. If you can change your habits, you can change your life. Very few people, though, develop the character quality 
of discipline in, in their life. It's actually very rare to meet a truly disciplined person that's able to control their thoughts, control their body, and control, make, make themselves do what is right on a consistent basis. So the first reason I think a lot of people don't discipline themselves is because discipline is never fun in the moment, but the results always are. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Most people have an unspoken goal in life, and that unspoken goal in life is happiness. I was at Costco the other day, one of the only places you can go where there's people, and I remember looking at this, this, a bunch of people, this was actually before the quarantine hit, and I, I looked at all the people, and I remember thinking, everyone, they could just have a thought bubble above their head saying, I just want to be happy. Everyone has that motive, that underlying motive about they just want to be happy. But the thing is, a lot of us choose momentary happiness over lasting happiness. And discipline is learning to choose something you don't want to do now for something you want more later. And so most of us live, suffer from what I call short-term thinking. We want to be happy now, but the truth is, is that God is more concerned with our holiness than our happiness. He knows that our, actually, he knows that our holiness will result in true happiness. If you, the happier, the more holy I get, the more happy I become, the more joyful I am, the more at peace I am. And because the sin just weighs you down and actually physically, spiritually, emotionally, just creates pressure and a weight on you that you don't want to hold back anymore. So when you become more and more holy, the joy of the Lord can overflow in your life. So even during this quarantine, you may be asking, why? Why is God allowing this quarantine in our lives? Why is God allowing this to happen to the world? And I know for a fact that one of the reasons, one of the things God wants to do in your life is to shape your character and shape your holiness so you can grow more and more holy like God. God is far more concerned about your holiness than your happiness. And so this discipline is a way that we can grow closer and closer to God and grow in our holiness. And for me personally, one of the hardest areas that I've learned to be disciplined in, it's a way to illustrate this, is eating healthy and working out. And my, my wife, Christy, has helped me develop habits by just saying, eat this, um, to, for eating healthy, and I've learned to love it. I've learned to really enjoy eating healthy, and now it's not just, I'm just doing what she says, to I really am concerned about eating healthy and staying fit and working out. And I, there's this kind of cheesy quote by health gurus, but it makes sense in the concept of this discipline talk. It says, nothing tastes as good as healthy feels. So nothing tastes as good as healthy feels. And so be, actually it's true. So when you really are healthy, you're more energized. You're, you're just feel better if you're living a more healthy lifestyle. And I think that's actually true spiritually. So don't worry. This is not a health talk. This is not a lecture. And it, it is actually important to consider your health during this quarantine. It's so easy to get in, not get outside, to stay cooped up and eat all the, all the crazy stuff. But that's not what I'm talking about. What is more important than your physical health is your spiritual health. Take time and trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit, 
1 Thessalonians 4, 7. So my point is that spiritual disciplines are actually rarely fun. When I started eating vegetables, I did not enjoy it. And I've learned to love it because of the results in my life. The same thing is true with spiritual disciplines. They're often an acquired taste. I literally have never thought in my life, oh, I just feel like memorizing something. And so I would never, just if it was on my own accord, the way I was feeling, I would never memorize a verse. But scripture memory has been one of the greatest habits and life-changing things in my life. The other area I can think of is fasting. I've been trying to get deeper in the habit of fasting, and my goal right now is to fast one day a week. And this week, it was so bad. It was not like what you would picture as a godly, saintly person fasting. I was struggling. I, half the time I was thinking, why am I doing this? I was coveting my, da my daughter's Brussels sprouts, and it was not great. I do not enjoy fasting, but I enjoy the results of fasting. Because I had a great prayer time that night, just time within God's presence, and I experienced more power in my ministry, in my life. And so I don't like fasting, but I like the results of fasting. And a lot of our spiritual disciplines, it's okay to do things you don't feel like doing. It's actually, we're called to do things that we don't feel like doing. We need to learn and make a habit of getting into God's word as a daily, regular part of our lives. If you want to get to know God, discipline is the path. Discipline is the way that you are going to get to know God on a deeper level. I remember praying one time that I was asking God, God, I want to know you more. I want to hear your voice. I want to experience you. And I thought I was so spiritual and so good. And it was a good prayer to pray. I, I recommend praying, ask, asking God to show himself to you and to speak to you. And you know what? God did. God spoke to me and he said, learn my word. Learn the Bible. And in that moment, I realized I need to discipline myself to really know God's word. If you want to know God's word, learn the Bible. Matt Brown, my friend, he said this, don't say God is silent when your Bible is closed. So the reason being disciplined is so rare is because people are not thinking big picture enough. They're not thinking about what really matters in life. A lack of discipline is a lack of perspective. It's so easy to think that being disciplined doesn't really matter. It's so easy to think, well, it's okay if I don't have my quiet time today. It's okay if I give in to this temptation today. But that is actually the very definition of sin. Sin, by definition, is short-term thinking. Sin is getting what I want now and not thinking about what matters in the long run. But the thing is, sin is never satisfied with just this once. Sin always wants more. Sin is always looking for that next fix. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. So let me challenge you, live a life of no compromise. Try, by God's grace, to root out every root of sin in your heart, and you will be so much more free, you will have so much more joy in your life, and you will have so much more freedom. So I want to just encourage you, use this season as a way to grow in your holiness. Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. 
Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Galatians 6, 7, and 8. So believers, we love to claim promises. We love the encouraging promises about purpose and prosperity and all that. But how often do we claim a promise like this? You reap what you sow. You always reap what you sow, and you always reap far more than you sow. But this can actually go both ways. This can go in the sinful direction. If you sin, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. But if you sow to please the Spirit, you will reap life and peace. I came across this other passage that's like super, it freaks me out, honestly, in a, in a good way, I think. See that no one is sexually immoral or godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Hebrews 12, 16. Sin, especially sexual sin, is incredibly foolish. This passage is actually very challenging. It's very instructive. And what Esau did was just so crazy. He traded his entire inheritance for a single bowl of soup. And often what we do for sin, when we give in to sin, is we are trading the blessings that God has for our lives for a temporary fix. We need to learn to say no to what we want now so that God can bless us with what he wants to give us in the future. God has an amazing plan for your life, and he has a purpose for your life that if you could see it now, you would literally be weeping with joy. But sin can hinder that plan that God has. Sin, sin can short-circuit what God wants to do in your life. And so don't give into it. Don't let that out. The other thing I see in this passage, actually in the next few verses in Galatians 6, is that this reap and sow paradigm actually is, can be positive and it's not only negative. So Galatians 6, 9, and 10 says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So God-centered discipline is not about you and achieving your goals. God-centered discipline is about loving and serving others, becoming who God wants you to be, so that you can love and pour out God's love to as many people as possible. It's about the being the best you can be so you can serve and love others. One of my life mottos is one by John Wesley. I stole it from him. And he said this, Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. So here's the thing, though. That sounds fun. That sounds exciting. Yes, serving people, loving people, going all out. Often, though, what I'm finding is that as I serve the Lord and as I step up to lead in God's kingdom, a lot of it is just a grind. A lot of it is I'm just up to my eyes in work. And, but I have to realize that that is a blessing and not a burden. We get the opportunity to use our lives for something bigger than ourselves. But it's rarely fun in the moment. It's often fulfilling in the long run. It's actually always fulfilling in the long run. When we get to be a part of seeing God change people's lives from the inside out, right before our eyes. I've seen God change people's lives right in front of my face. And that makes every day of grinding work 
and just the, the disappointments that often come in, in ministry, it makes it all worth it. Actually, a bored Christian is not a biblical Christian. It's all about perspective. If God is real, and Jesus is the only way to God, then we have plenty of work to do. So, the other reason I believe that a lot of people do not live disciplined lives is that they are really confused about the difference between legalism and discipline. They think that, oh, well, you're talking about doing your quiet time every day and all this stuff, that's legalism. When in reality, this is what legalism is. Legalism is living by a list of do's and don'ts as a way to earn God's approval. So legalism is obviously goes against what the gospel is. Legalism says do. Jesus says done. Jesus accomplished everything we needed to accomplish. He died on the cross in our place for our sins. He lived the perfect life that we never could live. And then he rose from the dead, defeating sin and death. And so Jesus pleased God, so we don't have to try to serve God and be disciplined so that we can get right with God. We already are right with God, so we get to enjoy God's presence and we get to know Him better. The reason I do my quiet time in the morning is not out of legalism or because if I don't do my quiet time in the morning, God's going to smite me. The reason I do my quiet time in the morning is because I love God. Like the other day I was talking to some staff members and I was just like, I love the Bible app. And they just laughed. They were like, good? Yeah, that's good. But it was just kind of this cheesy moment where I just genuinely love getting into God's Word. And that's why you want to have a daily quiet time. But often that is an acquired taste as you get into God's Word and you learn to experience Christ. So Titus 3.5 says, He saved us not because of righteous things we have done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. You see, now because of Christ and what he's done, we don't have to earn God's favor. We can actually enjoy God's favor. Biblical discipline is motivated by love, not legalism. These spiritual disciplines, these things I'm talking about, theologians often call them means of grace. Because we are, these are things we can do that can set us up for God's grace to pour into our life. Just like a sailor lifts his sails up and put him, puts them up in a certain way so that the wind can catch them, so are spiritual disciplines. They're ways that we can put ourselves in the path of God's power, put ourselves in the path of God's grace. Dallas Willard said this, he said, Grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. So actually, learning and growing in grace is a lot of work. And, and discipline is a lot of work. But it's not about earning your salvation. That has been earned by Jesus on the cross. This is about experiencing God on a deeper level. So how to develop discipline in your life? Start small. So think of an area in your life that you want to grow in. Think of a spiritual discipline. Actually, for me, it started out this year was about doing push-ups. My goal is to do 100 push-ups a day, and that little habit actually helped me be disciplined in other areas. As I gained progress in those push-ups, I actually got better in my quiet time. So discipline in one area will lead to discipline in other areas. So I want to encourage you, focus on one or two goals 
during this, at a time, during this quarantine season. Think about your quiet time. If that's not in your life, you don't have a daily time alone with God, maybe make that your goal. 15 minutes a day, you put your phone on airplane mode, and you do nothing but spend time with God. Maybe that's it. The next thing I see is stay consistent. Successful people do consistently what others do occasionally. Craig Rochelle. So consistency is the key. Do it every day, no matter what, no matter how you're feeling, make this goal every day. That's why I say make a small goal, because it's better to do 15 minutes of prayer a day and actually do it than an hour of prayer and do it once a week. Consistency is a way to build a habit in your life. So I want to encourage you, make, if you don't have the habit of spending daily time alone with God, Make the decision tonight. You can make this decision tonight that you will never miss another day where you don't spend 15, 20 minutes alone with God. That one habit will change your life more than anything else. Max Barnett said this, If you are too busy to spend time alone with God, you are more busy than God intended you to be. So let's picture today. It's after challenge. It's late at night. Maybe you watch a movie or something else. And you, it's 12.30, and you're tired, you want to go to bed, but you didn't have your quiet time. I want to encourage you, this is going to sound pretty radical, I encourage you, don't go to bed. Spend that 20 minutes, and just spend time with God. I've done that, and I've fallen asleep praying to God, and I think God understands. But what I realized is the next day, because I was being consistent, I actually went to bed sooner, or I had my quiet time, I fought for that time with God. And so you, no one has ever died from 30 minutes less sleep. So I want to challenge you. Spend time. Be disciplined. Be consistent. And then stick together. Stick together. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. So you're going to have far more success in building these habits in your life if you have someone that can ask you regularly, maybe weekly, how are you doing with your quiet times? How's your thought life? How are you doing with such and such goal, your prayer life, scripture memory? Having specific pointed questions about your goals will make all the difference in your life. You don't get what you expect, you get what you inspect. And so you need someone in your life to just ask you the hard questions and keep you, hold you to the goals that you set. The next thing you want to do is stretch yourself. After you start gaining traction in the basic spiritual disciplines, you want to stretch yourself. You want to go further and, and push yourself harder. And this quarantine season may be the perfect time to push yourself a little bit harder. I remember one summer I memorized a verse a day, and that pushed me. It was really hard. It was really difficult. But I still use those verses to that day, to this day. I still use them all the time in my life. And I also, one year, I made the goal of praying for an hour a day. And that one habit has literally transformed my entire life since then. And so I'm not saying that to impress you. I'm just saying that to encourage you to think about how could you set some slightly higher goals. So start small, stay consistent, stick together, and then stretch yourself. Go harder and faster and try just to push yourself a little bit at a time. Don't let yourself fall into stagnation during the season. Let's go hard after God. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. 1 Corinthians 9.25 
Years ago, I was watching the Olympics, and I remember watching Michael Phelps winning seven gold medals in a row. He was killing it, and I was just a fanboy. I was loving every moment. And they did a special on his life, and all he did was eat. He ate a ton. He ate like jelly beans, all sorts of stuff. Sleep. He slept like crazy, and he swam. He just worked out and swam all the time. His commitment to winning gold medals was more than anything I'd ever seen anyone in life. And I remember just being, being enamored by Michael Phelps. And in that moment, it was one of the clearest times that God spoke to me. He said, God said, I want the same commitment and discipline to following me that Michael Phelps has to winning gold medals. Because isn't that what that 1 Corinthians passage teaches? It's comparing how disciplined an Olympic athlete is to how disciplined we should be in following Christ. It may sound extreme, but that is what the Bible is teaching. Because years from now, people won't even remember Michael Phelps. But what we do to serve Christ will echo into eternity. Join me in praying. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for your grace in our lives. Thank you for these truths. I pray that we would live the kind of lives that you're calling us to. I pray that we would be disciplined. We wouldn't let this quarantine stop us from really pursuing you and really spending time with you daily. I pray that you would, we would draw near to you and you would draw near to us and that we would grow in our spiritual discipline and grow in our intimacy with you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage you to think about what did God say to you? And I also want to challenge you, think about one goal, one spiritual goal that you can, you can make and be consistent with and do it every day. And so I want to encourage you, think about what is your top takeaway, what is one spiritual goal, and then also let us know how we can be praying for you. Every week at Challenge, we fill out a communication card. So I want to ask you to go ahead and click on the button and go to the virtual communication card and let us know those top takeaways, the goals, and the prayer requests. Thank you for joining us. I love you guys so much. I'm excited to continue to stay connected, and I'll see you guys later.